I'm J.R. Butler, co-founder and CEO of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes and military veterans into becoming a professional salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. Kids a good fit. What what are you telling them to look for in the first role, the first company? Like where, where's a good, what's good look like for that first sales job, in your opinion, from a company perspective and an opportunity perspective? Look, I think it's, it's going to be them doing some due diligence, right? Finding an industry that they're excited about, right? Um, it's like finding that university you're excited to go to, right? Like you got to find something that, that's intriguing you, that's pulling you, that you get really happy and, and, and you feel good about going to do, because if you believe in it, you can actually sell it and you can actually become successful and learn it. Um, I think the next thing is understand their their training and development program, right? You don't want to go somewhere that doesn't have that support and you get this job and now you're just standing out here on your own two legs trying to figure it out by yourself and there's no additional coaching, there's no additional outlets, there's no additional resources for you to thrive in. Um, and then the final thing I'd be like, is it a culture fit for you, right? Like that that's an extremely, extremely important piece to all of this. Like if you can't go there and envision yourself being there, would you take a job just to take it? You're in a, in a for a world of hurt. To your point, not only is the first year going to be tough, but now you're dealing with a culture that you just don't fit in, in and, and you're you're just miserable all around. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and 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 a lot of that you can learn in the interview process by literally just by meeting the hiring manager and, yep. and understanding what what type of organization are they trying to build? What's the environment they want to they want their team to live in and and decide if that's the right environment? It's just like picking a college that that. That first coach is so important. Yes, so it is. important. So important. Yeah, um, it is. Now, you, you, we, th- we talk a lot about skill development, right? Because I always think like, you know, there's attributes and, and characteristics that can make you successful. And then there's skills and knowledge. And skill development mm-hmm. is something that an athlete can relate to. And, you know, when you're in an environment like we are right now, um, it's, it's tough on sellers. What do you think like a, a new seller coming into this this market should really be focused on from a skill development perspective? Yeah, I think um, the number one thing would be communication skills for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, what we're doing right now is never going to go away. Right. I know we have AI and we have everyone talking about all these different trends and people are going to disagree with my thought process on it, but people are going to buy from people. Right. And if you can't communicate, if you aren't emotionally intelligent enough to understand how to court, you know, how to to pivot and how to make sure you, you see where this person's coming from and be able to listen and be able to respond. You're not going to be successful in any field, man. So communication skills would be the biggest thing I would say. Hey, let's build on that. I think another skill that we don't talk about enough is asking for help. Yes. Right. Like you gotta be willing to say, like, I'm not great at this right now. I need assistance, right? I need help. I need I need some guidance. Like if you do that, I feel like that's a skill in itself to really help you. Uh, promote yourself and, and really get you to where you need to get to. Um, I think the final thing is, is the way you and I got connected, networking, right? Like, how are you networking? How are you, how are you like getting out of your comfort zone and talking to people that you probably haven't talked to, but are should be talking to and should be in your network and should be communicating with. Um, and then I think I, I, I tied it all in together with my grandfather used to tell us all the time, man, five P's, old military guys. And I think he's in the military for like 40 years, something crazy. And uh, he used to tell us all the time, prior preparation prevents poor performance. Um, so 
if you're out there, man, and you prepare like you should prepare, there's no way you're not going to be able to excel. So, you know, give an example. If you go in and we have a game on a Saturday or a Friday or whatever it is, and you aren't in there watching extra film, you aren't getting that extra lift in, you don't understand what their third down formations are and so on and so forth, and you go out on Saturday and expect to perform, you're delusional. You got to go out there and prepare. So when you get into that interview or you get into that call with that, that client or that prospect, you've already won. You're just excited to share your information, excited to share where you are and, and how it's going to benefit them. And, and you kind of go from there. So the five P's tie communication, um, asking for help and networking in together for me. But if a Wake Forest senior called you and they're thinking about getting into sales, how, how are you advising them to select a company to start their career? Like what are the things that the characteristics that you're telling them to look for? I think a, a couple of things that come to mind and one of the things that you mentioned around people that want to go and immediately be an AE or a field seller or the most you know, high level seller that you can possibly be day one, I think is, you know, a lot of athletes have been successful. They've accomplished a lot. They're at the top of their game. So they may have a bit of an ego. They have a bit of like, hey, yeah, I've done this before. I can do this again. I'm just going to transition my skill set. And I think that a lot of people coming out of college want to bypass developing and bypass building that foundation. So if I was talking to someone that was thinking about getting into sales and and talking about selecting a career, I would really urge and encourage them to want to build a foundation and get developed and get developed really, really well where they're learning how to understand a portfolio of product, where they're understanding how do I you know, qualify an opportunity? How do I actually st- structure a call? How do I open a call? How do I have structure within my conversation that allows me to effectively talk about who I am, why I'm calling from there? What, what, how do I qualify and ask the right questions of that customer position effectively a solution or a product that may align to that customer's project, pain point needs, initiatives, whatever may be going on, handle objections throughout that conversation. And then from there, um, be able to close for some sort of next step. How do I actually learn that stuff? So getting developed, um, and then from there being a part of an environment where uh, you know you're going to have an opportunity to get at bats, to make mistakes, to have some failures. Uh, companies structured differently around compensation. So questions I'd be asking: one around training and development. What does that look like at your company? Talk me through that. Um, a lot of people coming out of school have to pay bills. So we do think about things like compensation and how am I going to be compensated? Some companies, 100% commission day one. Some companies, 100% salary day one. Some companies, a mix of having a, a base salary with commission day one. So asking questions around how that may be structured, asking questions around how you know current team members are performing, especially when they first come in based on how they're going to get paid. Um, a third thing that I'd ask a lot of questions about is around promotability. All right, I think that uh, a lot of companies structure things differently with time spent in each role as you do develop and grow as a seller. Um, and I think that that's an important thing to think through is how if you have goals to become an AE or a field rep or whatever it is that your goals are, what are the steps that I need to take there? And what's the ballpark time frame that it may take me to get to that point? How realistic is that? Um, as you, as you, you know, as you think through the next one to three years of your, of your career in sales, what is that going to look like for you? And then from there, asking questions around like just location wise, where do I have to live? I think, you know, it's, it's been an interesting time where there are a lot of remote opportunities, but I, I'm a bit of a believer in, you know, being in the office early on in your career doesn't need to be every day, but I think understanding 
what the company's expectations are for hybrid work, remote, fully remote work, fully in-person work. Like, what does that look like, and how does how does it align to what uh, what you're looking for? So, those are a couple things that I comment on around you know development, the compensation piece. Uh, a little bit of that career growth. And then I think the, the you know, like I mentioned, some of the in-person versus remote element of it. I think early in career building those professional skills in person is is really powerful, especially in sales. And then the final thing is just thinking a little bit about what's that company's culture, not only as a holistic company, but then what's your sales organization's culture and what does that look like and how does that align to what you may be looking for as as a potential seller at that company? So a BC kid calls you now and they're thinking about going into sales. What are you advising them um, on in terms of like the company, the type of company, the type of opportunity uh, that they should be looking for very specifically for their first job? Like what are some of the characteristics that you would advise on for that first, that first job? Well, I was thinking about this. I think I'd say it. You might have heard other guests might have said it, but sales is the most rewarding, hardworking job in the world. It is the lowest paying, lazy job in the world. So when no one's looking around, I'm going to talk about this mirror again. If you're considering sales, look in the mirror and realize your weaknesses, realize your strengths. But it is the lowest paying. Sorry, most of the people who work for me or work for any people, uh, whatever take away your market rate is, they pay you half in base, half. And then you earn your other half as far as commission as part of it. So I, what you said, I've done that for many. I've been blessed because of my connections with the union and Boston Whaler. And then I had so many people working with me at BC. And then when I went to EMC, they knew I could get people quick. I've been buying, sorry, I've been creating burst labor and opportunities forever. Um, I was so happy the other day when one of my men- mentees, Jeff Reel, let me tell about this story for five seconds. 1999, my best friend at my wedding, I was his best man and he was my best man a guy named jimmy reardon still my best friend we talk almost every day he calls me up he goes i need a guy jeff real he's an ex-athlete all-time leading rusher at northeastern all times uh touchdown uh creator at northeastern unfortunately uh, stopped the program since then but you know played for barry gallup um great 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 guy but he was a little rough around the edges hasn't been in technology his dad owned a rug store rug store installed carpets and stuff like that i brought him in I won't go into exact details how bad his first day at work is, but let's just put it away. It was rough, but he moved around. <laughs> I brought him in. Sorry, I'll, t- I'll t- paid him forty grand a year, all in. Forty grand his first job in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. That was a boom year. Forty grand all in. Yeah. Now you might say that's not a lot in tech. You're right, but compared to where he's at, being a, a you know a rug maker's assistant, 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 it was double what he was going to make, and it was a better job. Um, you longer commute. He didn't complain about it, never complained once, figured out his own stuff, just started doing quotes, just online quotes for the people who were traveling because they were going boom, 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 boom. He moved all the way up, worked through six jobs. That young man, um, two things, just created a company recently, sold the company for, I won't go to the exact details, but you know, seven figures, well into seven figures uh, that he liked personally, which is great. And his daughter, to keep things going, his daughter just won an award for equivalent of the female Heisman. Um, and she was on the UCLA soccer team that won the national championship. It's incredible. But he started out really, 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 really rough, which is great. So they can always move up as part of it. But no, I get that call from interns a lot. Um, my One of my best friends, Paul McGee, his son, Will, is coming out. He's trying to decide sales versus finance. My advice I gave to him, he goes, if you're still in college, you better get an internship while in college now. Now. 
Oh, I got to get my grades up. Okay, great. Grades are really important, but over a certain amount, you know, when I'm interviewing people between a three and three, seven, it really doesn't matter. Okay, a one, seven, that matters. But, you know, between a three and three, seven matters. Um, if you graduate in five, five and a half years versus four, you can get past that. I mean, people go deal through things in family. This particular person had his own mother pass away from an illness. I was at the funeral, obviously. And then his own older brother um, had an unfortunate accident, the reason why I wear a band on my my arm. There's some, some reasons. He went through from being a, a scholarship wrestler at Old Dominion, then he went over to Ohio U as a bobcat. But he goes, what can I do to set myself different for someone in college when he graduates? I go, here's the here's what you do differently. Get an internship. He was intern, going to get an internship at Dell, and he was going to have to go down to Austin for the summer. Okay, for the record, going down to Austin and being an intern in finance or sales isn't as fun as being a bartender at Putin Bay. You know where Putin Bay it is? You can look it up. It's in Ohio. It's by Sandusky, by the roller coaster, Cedar Point. That's not as fun. But if he keeps on doing that bartending thing, when he comes out at, you know, at the end and wants a job, he'll lose to someone who took the job going to Austin to become an intern. An example, my daughter, Olivia, she's got, she works for Fortinet. She was an intern at four different places in college. One of them, Zoom. Zoom. You know, the thing that almost everybody uses for everything. You know, she was a competitive advantage versus everybody else. She was doing internships at Barracuda right after they went public when she was 16 years old in high school. You know, she happened to have an incredible high GPA. Wow. She went to Boston College. She was an Eagle as well. Double major. But the fact that she had four internships, all at startups, one of them Zoom, she was a very highly touted and she's compensated well for what she does, which is great. But like that's competitive advantage out there. So if you're willing to do the internships to get ready that, um, and then as you're cutting out, I would go to a company if you could, maybe not the biggest company, but the fastest moving company. If you go to my LinkedIn, it's not these trees behind it. It says the word fast company. I was profiled by fast company one time. A company that moves fast, is able to promote you fast, put you in a training program fast. Remember my own decision. Did I want to go work for, geez, I work for IBM now, but like, did I work for IBM and go through a training program for two years? No. Did I work for AT&T and go for a training program for two years? I want to be on the ground running as soon as possible. I want to control my own destiny. So, um, yes, a place that has a training program could accelerate you fast. And you might want to even check yeah. it out. You know, what did the, what did the biggest, most successful, most successful salespeople and sales rainmakers, what do they look like, act like? What are their backgrounds? If you're a, I'm sorry, Salem State grad at 29, where to do some things for the family, and that's awesome. I'm with you. If you're listening right now, I'm with you. But you go to a company that everybody is 22 years old in the field and they all went to Harvard, you got to look for a different place. What I loved about, you know, right. some of the places I went at, there were a lot of BC grads, a lot of URI grads, a lot of UMass grads, a lot of people where their dads were construction workers or plumbers like my dad. Um, you know, you could thrive. People talked about sports. People talked about competing. People weren't, didn't back down from playing liars poker or, hey, I'm going to go dance for five minutes. You dance for five minutes. Let's make fun of each other. We're both really bad, but let's see who's worse at doing. Let, let's, who, who's going to work, you, you know, the ugliest sweater in Christmas? Who's going to have the worst Hawaiian shirt? You know, whatever's necessary. But the ability to compete and be on stage um, is a big driver. So hopefully that answers your question. That would be the advice I'd give them. But if someone's toggling in college between – most people know they want to go into sales. If for the reason they don't want to – same reason with me. I, I wanted to be Ironsides. I want to be Perry Mason. But I didn't want to do it twice a year. I want to do it 40 times a week. 
though. The sales right. let you be on stage 40 times a week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that idea of like fast. Like we talk about growth. We talk about, you know, learning opportunities, getting a lot of experience. But I think describing it as getting those things fast is a really good way to put it. And so if a senior calls you, right, they're thinking about getting into sales. Um, and, and we have this happen a lot. A lot of our kids will get multiple offers. So I'm, I'm really curious to get your take here. What's your general guidance on like how, how a, a first time salesperson getting into a BDR role, um, what should they be looking for in the company that they select to start their career at? Yeah, it's a fantastic question and one that I wish that I had considered uh, when I was in these stages of my career as well. Um, that said, I think first and foremost, I'd, I'd say don't overthink it. Like you certainly have a bunch of opportunities and that's fantastic. You know, you're you're valuable in the marketplace. You're high demand, right? Um, you you want to take it seriously, but don't necessarily overthink it the way I see it. Because in my career, what I've noticed specifically in software and inside sales is that you're going to build incredible relationships with the people that you start with and the good people at the first company that you join, right? And all of that's certainly going to have an impact on you. Uh, but odds are you won't be an AE and you won't be a VP of sales at the first place that you you enter, right? So so first off, it's like, don't overthink it. Um, secondly, um, I, I think it kind of comes back to that first feeling that I had walking into the VM Turbo office, which was... Um, I saw it with my own eyes and I, I could I could sense what, you know, a day in the life of an employee was there. Um, and I'm a visual learner and I need to I need to see things. Right. So I would just encourage people to to try as much as they can to see what a working day looks like. And I know that might be harder and harder with, um, you know, virtual work environments and all that jazz in the world we're in today. Uh, but but do anything you can to see what a day in the life of a, of a average employee is. Um, try to suss out how other employees who are currently there kind of feel the same way about their day to day um, and use that as the major decision making criteria. Like, are these people happy? Do they seem like they're working hard, but they actually care about what they're doing? They're connected to a larger vision. Are there leaders at this company that when they say something to you, you believe them and other people believe them and follow them? Those are the things that I'd be looking for, the intangibles, not quite the the, the details. It's really like, is this a good team? Is this franchise moving in the right direction? Do they have leadership that I feel like care about me and will care about developing my skills and I want to serve them? Like Those are the questions I'd be asking. Um, not so much product market fit or do I have a quick path to AE or um, am I getting paid the same amount as maybe some other cold callers in the market? Like Those things matter when you're trying to make an ultimate decision, but they're not the things that really make the right decision. So uh, I'd stay focused on the softer side of things than the, the harder. I, I couldn't agree more. We have we have kids that make decisions based off of a five k gap and base salary. When when I know deep down, I'm like, hey, this leadership team is a much better fit for you. You're gonna you're right. gonna gel here, and you're gonna work for people that are gonna teach you. And that first that first leadership organization that you work underneath is so important, right? Like we just look at like we talked about all the people that came out of Turbo because we had some we had some some leaders there that that really gave a shit and like really helped kids start their career on the right foot. Obviously, we, we're helping these athletes and, and mm -hmm. veterans transition into new companies. And there's a lot of conversation about, well, base salary and remote and, mm -hmm. you know, benefits. And, and I always talk to them about the things to think about when you look at your first company. And, and I'm curious to know, like, 
if you are giving advice to a to a first time seller with multiple job offers, what are the characteristics that you know they should be looking for in a in a great company to start their career at? A great question. First of all, I wish I had somebody that was like in my life at that time to help me with that. I just really did get very lucky with Quest. Um, the first thing, like all of that stuff aside, like first of all, the company should have benefits. That's like that's a yeah. check the box. Of course, that's a good point in my opinion. Um, and you know, remote hybrid, you can argue that kind of stuff all day. But the biggest thing is like, is this a growth company? The thing about my career is that, and this this is also again a lifestyle and a personality match, like. I only like to work at high growth tech companies. I like the speed. I like the urgency. I like solving problems. I like that the only thing I can count on is change. Um, so you have to be a fit for that. If you're not, if you're not good with change, that's not, those aren't going to be great companies for you. But I would now, if I could go back, that would be something I would change is I would really invest time into researching the company and making sure that there is future potential opportunity ahead where there could be massive growth because with growth comes opportunity. And I have found a lot of success and a lot of uh, fulfillment in my career. I've only worked at four companies and I've been in my career for 20 years. So I don't company hop. I'm very loyal. And it's because Quest was lucky, but it's because I those next three decisions were very intentional on what is the technology? What is the growth trajectory? What's the potential for like future opportunity? And then who? what's the culture like? I think the growth opportunity and the culture are the two biggest things that will impact happiness um, and paychecks. So, you know, the base salary at an entry-level job, it's not going to blow your socks off. That's not what it's all about. It's about landing at a great company and having people that believe in you and help you develop that skill set to then become either an individual contributor or a leader and be able to grow your career. And uh, choosing something for just base salary, to me, is I don't think that's the right way to look at it. And I haven't done that at all in my career and even in leadership positions like I've, I've chosen the company over anything else along with the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and culture is what you just mentioned. It's learning. Is it, is it a learning and development culture? Are they constantly trying to help you get better? The people that work for and, and just the, the organization as a whole. Say you got a senior uh, from Cal, they're a football player, maybe women's lacrosse player. Um, and, they're, and they're starting to make a plan for their career. Right. Um, and they're considering sales. Um, what like, your guidance to them is really, you know, go talk to as many people as you can, right? On top of that, right, what we see is is a lot of our candidates get multiple offers, right? They're typically, you know, and 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 we're having conversations nowadays about base, OTE, benefits, uh, time off, remote person office. I, I guess, like, what from your perspective? And 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 I think you and I, further in our career, we look back and like those things. We'll figure themselves out. What what are some criteria that you're coaching these these kids up on in terms of the place, the company, the organization that they're going to start their career? What does good look like for you? Yeah, so I, I always tell people never underestimate a really strong manager who's invested in you. And, and the reason for that is because if you have a manager who isn't going to just like you know completely just like you know, sink or swim or figure it on your own, which is great learning in some in some capacity, but someone who really knows what they're talking about and is going to be guiding you through questions and helping you really understand the best way to improve, those people will allow you to be multiplied in terms of how effective you are in, in your trajectory of your career. Um, now, that's not to say that, like, there are certain organizations that don't have strong management or they don't have a lot of infrastructure and resources, and then you can figure it out and, and you will find ways to win. But again, if you are interviewing somewhere and you see that they have, like, really strong onboarding, 
They have really good resources in terms of enablement. They have a, you have a manager who has done it before and has a track record of promoting people and helping them grow their careers. I would jump on that, you know, 10 times out of 10. Right. And again, that's not to say that a smaller organization without those resources won't be something that, that will be helpful for you, but it just might be a little more, more challenging. So for me, for example, right, I, um, when I did make that jump and it's no knock on my first organization, but it was a, a smaller company at the time. I was reporting to a VP of sales. Like we barely met, though he's an awesome leader. Like I still talk to him very much this day, but I had to go out and find things on my own versus kind of like the programs I've led right now or I'm currently leading where it's very much like a dedicated resource, really strong enablement and, and onboarding. And, you know, you see people start growing a lot more quickly because the resources are in place. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, like I, I always say leadership first, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's the same as sports, right? You, a lot of the times we choose the college we go to based off the coaching, um, you know, and, and the people that are, ultimately they're going to be in charge of, of making you successful and building your foundation. So it's super duper important. And then, identifying, you know, like you said, a, a culture of development, right? If they're small and they don't have like structured onboarding and, and structured training and development, is their culture still one of coaching and growth and improvement? Like those are definitely, in my opinion, and forget about, you know, product, company size, growth, those things matter. But if you can find that and spend your first 12 months in that type of type of setting, you're going to, you're going to have success in the long term. You got a kid, a football a football guy from from San Jose State. He maybe goes through our program. We usually put kids in front of multiple opportunities. They always get multiple offers. And a lot of the conversations I'm having with people are like, "Well, this this base salary is five k higher, or these benefits are this." And and yeah. you know, I'm pushing them to say, "Hey, let's think about the stuff that matters. What is the stuff that matters in your opinion when it comes to that first job?" I think you need to look at the onboarding and the training. Like, what are they going to do for you in terms of developing skills? Um, and that's that's why I went to Zoom. I had some other offers as a BDR for from startups um, and different uh, industries that I thought like, oh, this could be interesting. Like, if I crank out, a, you, I might have to be a BDR for two years to to learn this this niche. But like. It could pay off in the long long run, but I went to a bigger company like Zoom because I thought um, the training would be there. I think it wasn't necessarily what I thought it was. They've kind of gone through like rapid growth and have been just like with their hair on fire learning. Like I'm realizing they've been, it's the crazy, the growth that they've gone through. And I kind of hopped in right towards the middle end of that. Um, so I would tell them like, hey, go like connect with the hiring manager see what his experience is has he done the role does he have like proven success because that's going to be huge you're going to be with that guy probably every day in in the, the first couple months so like wanting to make sure there's somebody there like your coaches knows what he's talking about and has played played the position um and then like dive into what is the training look like like is there a method is there a process that you can just implement um i think like going to um, also just like evaluating the the space you want to get into is like like Zoom and UCAS something you want to get into and stay in because um, if not maybe look at some other industries and and see if you want to be a BDR there for a year or two and it may pay off in the long run because there you're going to be more of a specialist in that space um, and and it may be something you're interested in so I think manager 
has he played the position and what's the onboarding and training look like? Because like, that's really what you're trying. You're trying to just develop your skills in the beginning. And if they have something where they're just like cranking out successful BDRs and reps it, and what's the timeline if your role is to be an AE, like what does that process look like? Do you have metrics or is it like, I don't care if you hit 200% for one year, you are sitting in seat for a year because that's going to piss you off. At least it did for me. Like, but if you've proven that like, okay, you can set meetings and now like we don't need to waste another six months of, of your time. Like, let's get you in the seat. So I would, yeah, I would ask that too. Yeah. We're, we're going to cut, cut that answer right up and put it right in our training. Cause it's literally verbatim. What I tell people, I say hiring manager, number one, a training and development culture, right? Like, like process would, would be ideal, but if they have a, a culture where like training and development is built in to the operating rhythm of the organization, that's a good sign. And then the third we talk about is growth opportunity, right? Like you don't want to go to a company that's shrinking because it's going to be harder to move into an AE role. And if the company's growing, you're going to grow into a, into a higher level, higher level role faster. And having that path understood is key. So I, I'm curious to get your take on this base because you went through the EMC program. We've had a ton of folks on here. Um, obviously for us, um, we work with a lot of, you know, venture backed, fast growth software companies that are earlier stage. We do work with some big companies too. And we get a lot of kids that kind of come in and they're thinking, you know, big company versus small company. They're also thinking about like, you know, and I, and I fight them on this, but they're like, well, this space is 5k higher. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. Right. Like, but, but there are things that do matter. So like, if you were working with one of our kids thinking about going into sales, how are you advising them on like how to select a company you think? Yeah, good if question. You hire my rubric. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, send me the good ones. I'm always hiring. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing that I would learn was really, we talked a little bit about it about EMC and some of the enablement and development. That I cannot stress enough. Like going to somewhere where they're not just going to give you a manual, give you some videos, and then, hey, good luck. You really want to be enabled, right? Like Rubric, we are a development and enablement culture by design, right? Like we have people running our transformation team and our enablement team, a guy by the name of JP Poland, who he carried a bag. He not only a rep, he was a VP of sales, very successful, but he's lived in our lived in our day-to-day world. So having a team dedicated to making you better, especially when you're young in your career or new to sales, that cannot be overlooked. Right, a dedicated, regimented program that's going to make you good. It's the work, right? It's it's putting in that grassroots effort to get good at your craft that will make you good long term. If you walk into a company and that's not a core part of what they're doing or what they care about with employees, I wouldn't even look at them. Right, five grand in salary over the it, that's a that's nothing, right? I would care really about the founding team. Do they have a proven record of developing people throughout their sales in other areas? And then, all right, what does that transformation enablement team look like? How, who is it? Who is it made up of? What's it look like week over week, month over month? That is so, so important when you're early in your career. And, and throughout, dude, honestly, it's still core to everything we do every single week here at Rubric. It does not stop. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of the, the industry we chose, too. Like, the, this, thing is, this thing is changing this thing is changing every single day, right? Like, I mean, Rubrik is a phenomenal example of a company that's completely transformed the, the, their go-to-market and the products that they're selling and how they're positioning them. And you guys are a huge company, right? Like, that, so, 
So if a huge company needs to be able to pivot quickly, you certainly do too as an individual. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Um, I, mean, I came here in 2017, dude. We were in a rock fight selling backup. Backup is the least sexy thing that nobody wants to talk about. It's critical to every company that's worth anything, right? All their critical assets need to be packed up. Our messaging now, yeah, data protection is core to what we do, but it's really about securing the data. The data is all that matters, but our product has evolved. And to your point, the days of getting a product training every Tuesday on, hey, here's the newer, bigger, faster disk drive that's coming out. Software is developing too quickly to even care about that stuff. You got to develop a core process and way to sell and then learn the technology, right? If that process and foundation is strong, you can sell anything as your product continues to uh, get better. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't talk a lot about process on here, but I do think it's so important, right? It's just like it's just like sports and like you, you need a playbook, right? Because you can't, if you do, you know, God forbid you lose a deal, you need to be able to look at a deal and go, well, here's what we did. You know, we zigged when we should have zagged. We, we didn't do this thing that we say we're going to do in our process. So I'm really glad you brought brought that point up. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io. Thank you.